when I first got the diagnosis that night, I was just remember being at home and going through my thoughts and, and very quickly the, the notion or the, the, the bit of anger really, I guess, to actually not let Parkinson's rule my life anymore for as long as I can. I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm still the boss. Parkinson's will just have to wait his turn. And the reason I'm so determined to do these sort of things that I do is is is, is in a personal level to, to sort of stick two fingers up to Parkinson's and say, no, I'm I'm not going to sit at home and watch Netflix and just sort of vegetate and lead a sedentary lifestyle because I've got Parkinson's. I am going to do crazy things and I still do. Welcome to another episode of the Running Tales podcast. I'm Craig Lewis and this week's guest is Neil Russell. When Neil was diagnosed with Parkinson's back in 2018, one of his first thoughts was whether he'd still be able to run. With the answer a resounding yes, vigorous exercise, his doctor said, stimulates the brain, Neil has taken his running to rather more extreme degrees. Having already run from John O'Groats to Land's End last year, he's currently training to take on an incredible 970-mile run from London to Barcelona in just over five weeks, finishing in time to attend the World Parkinson's Congress on the 4th of July. I spoke to Neil about his current training regime, which has involved 28-mile runs every day, how his running has allowed him to say a big no to Parkinson's, and first of all, how the condition affects him on a daily basis and in his running. I have a dominant tremor Parkinson's, which uh, means that my right hand is constantly, 99% of the time, it's constantly tremoring away. And my left hand is sort of coming out in support of that by also starting to be a to become a sort of tremor as well. 99% of the time, I just get on with it and it doesn't really bother me too much. But occasionally, because I'm only human, it does sort of get me down. And uh, when I'm running, it can cause uh, tendonitis in my wrist. And if anyone's ever had tendonitis, they know how painful that can be. And that is one of the few things that can actually stop me from stop me from running. Um, my other symptoms that I have um, with, relate, with regards to running is that I have a tendency to fall over more than the average runner. My sense of balance is um, is worse when I start to tire and when I fatigue. And um, my scars on my knee are proof of that. Uh, I've had some quite close, close shaves with oncoming fast-moving traffic whilst crossing the road and falling over and... Uh, it's 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 quite scary to um to sort of think of what could have happened. Um, I sometimes also become a bit disorientated and a bit sort of um, where am I? What's going on here? This doesn't last for very long, and that's linked more to the medication than it is the actual Parkinson's. And uh, again, it can be quite quite unnerving. Um, I've also got. The problem with my voice, um, it uh, tends to go very low and quiet and I'm not conscious of it. So if I start to sort of whisper, you might need to just sort of uh, politely ask me to raise the volume a little bit because I'm not 
I'm not aware of it. And on the voice, I'm I've just started to enter another phase of symptoms for Parkinson's, which is um, losing my way. I can be a mid conversation, a non stressful conversation with a friend or, uh, or or anybody for that matter, and I just completely lose my train of thought. And this is a common Parkinson's condition. And when this happens, I momentarily go blank and I think, oh, my goodness, what am I going to? I don't know what to say. I can't remember what I was talking about. And then usually it'll come back to me and then I'm able to sort of carry on as per normal. And people that know me, they don't get stressed at all about it because they they know that that's what Neil is like. That's what happens to Neil. But um, people that don't know me sort of get a little bit oh, what do we do? It's one of those sort of difficult moments when you're not quite sure what to say or or what, what to do. Um, but uh, that's a relatively recent one. And it's usually when a lot of my symptoms occur when I'm tired. And when I'm, when I'm in my, I mean, today, for instance, I've done 28 miles running. I did 28 miles yesterday as well. And I've got a marathon to do tomorrow. Wow. Um, so when I'm, tiring all these symptoms become more evident and uh more common and i'm supposed to i'm supposed to rest in the afternoons and uh, and sleep but i'm not very good at uh at three or four o'clock in the afternoon going to have a, a lie down i think i'm being a bit lazy or i should be doing something because there's i know we haven't come on to it yet but my latest challenge which is running from london to barcelona the logistics on this are so huge that there's always something that needs to be done and we're going in two weeks three weeks i think it's two or three weeks time we're going and um, my partner has done an amazing job in trying to coordinate everything and, and it's too you'd need an hour or two to be able to go through it so i'm not going to bore you with the sort of the, the sort of the the, the, the details um but uh when we first decided to do this challenge we had no idea of the actual involvement with the logistics and uh anyway that that but uh she's slowly getting there uh luckily because managing logistics organizing is not one of my strengths and no, that's this is this is a moment where I've just lost my way, but bear with me. No worries. Well, actually, Neil, I wonder if I can just um because I do want to touch a little bit later on the logistics and obviously go into lots of detail on the challenge, but uh I did, if it's okay, just want to ask you one more question sort of about your Parkinson's and about how you felt after your diagnosis, which I think was back in 2018. You're obviously doing loads of running now, but but with the onset of the symptoms and particularly some of them which sound quite frightening at times did you ever think oh this is a great shame but but running's probably not for me anymore or was it always I'm determined to carry on well I saw a number of neurologists before I got the actual confirmation of the diagnosis but thanks to Dr Google I already knew well in advance of the uh, diagnosis that I'd got Parkinson's so it wasn't a surprise or a major shock 
sorry, saying that though, when you hear those words, you have Parkinson's, that is sort of reinforcing it, I guess. And my first words of response were, and this is this is gospel honest truth, were can I still carry on running? Um, because without my running, um yeah, I, I need I need to run. Um uh, and he said the doc, this is the neurologist, he said that um absolutely it, 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 by all means I would encourage it. It's really good for the brain. The brain is a muscle like any other part of the, the of the body and it responds favorably to energetic exercise. So that that was a that was reassuring to hear. But um even though I knew I'd got Parkinson's before the diagnosis to actually hear those words it's quite it is quite frightening um and even now five years later I still sort of think sometimes have I got Parkinson's I mean I can't believe I've got Parkinson's it's something that old people have and I'm 65 so I'm in the sort of elderly category now and um I, I even now have to sort of pinch myself to remind myself that I have got Parkinson's and, but, but saying that a, a lot of everyday things, which you take for granted normally, I can't do it. Like for instance, writing, if yeah. I wanted to sort of write a little note to my granddaughter in a birthday card, I can't do it. Um, if I want to write an important note down, that's important to to remember I can't do it. And it's only when you can't do something like as simple as handwriting that you realize how much you rely on it in everyday life. And it, it whilst it's not life-threatening or anything like that, it's still quite difficult to come to terms with. I mean, I've got no sense of smell or my taste is very, very, sense of taste is very, very limited. So I, I I don't get those smells of Sunday roasts anymore, or fresh coffee, or flowers, or or uh, with aftershave, for instance, uh, because I've got no idea how it how it comes over because I can't smell it. I just store loads of it over me, and of course, <laughs> you sort of smell me. Well. I mean, at least I smell sweet. It's just, but it's a bit overpowering sometimes. So now I have to sort of limit it to two squirts or two drops, and I know that's sufficient um so it's not the end of the world but um uh yeah so uh but um but on on the whole when i first got the diagnosis that night i was just remember being at home and going through my thoughts and and very quickly the the notion or the 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 the, 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 the anger really i guess to actually not let Parkinson's rule my life anymore. You know, I'm, uh, for as long as I can, I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm still the boss and Parkinson's will just have to wait his turn. And the reason I'm so determined to do these sort of things that I do is 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 on a personal level to to sort of stick two fingers up to Parkinson's and say, no, I'm I'm not going to sit at home and watch Netflix and just sort of vegetate and lead a sedentary lifestyle because I've got Parkinson's. I am going to do 
crazy things and i still do well, so. you certainly are doing that at the moment with this with this latest challenge and you're certainly getting your your running in uh, do you want to tell people just what it is that you're you're preparing to take on well if i step a couple of steps back um when i ran from john O'Groats to land's end that had been my whole life for seven or eight months the training and the compete and, and actually doing the run I, I i did over 36 back-to-back marathons and uh covered 948 miles when i finished it i uh, sorry can you hear that the rain is pounding down on the conservatory roof i don't know whether that's disturbed. Oh, no, it's not coming across and but you okay. are loud and clear well i um sorry i've lost my way again where was i uh somewhere between john O'Groats and land's end i think <laughs> And, and just uh, having completed yeah. that challenge, thinking what well, you could when do When I next. completed the challenge, I sort of had a bit of post-joggle blues and I was a bit sort of lost for what to do because I was no more training, no more planning. It, it was over. And then I eventually got to, um, to the point where I was getting quite down. And then out of nowhere, an invitation came to go to a function at Parkinson's UK which I attended. There was many speakers there. I don't remember who it was that made this particular speech, but he mentioned the words, the Barcelona, the World Parkinson's Congress in Barcelona. And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, I knew immediately what my next challenge was going to be, which was to run from London to Barcelona. Uh, no one else knew at that moment in time what it was that I was planning, but, but that was how it uh, came about. And that was about a year ago. Um, I've been training ever since and planning and managing the the whole the whole project. And the plan is to in two weeks' time, May the twenty fourth, May the twenty fifth, sorry, we leave Hanover Square in West London, make our way down to Portsmouth, which will be about two days. That's running catch the ferry across to Cannes in northern France, run through France over the Pyrenees into the Spanish border along the Spanish coast into Barcelona. And um, that should be arriving on July the 1st, if going, if it all goes to plan. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an epic journey. I, I think if my information's correct, it's going to see you travelling over... Uh, 970 miles in 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 just over five weeks which is uh, a lot of mileage each day and I know that you've been doing some very some very very you hinted at it earlier some very serious training for this haven't you yeah well the last three weeks have been 100 mile weeks I ran three back-to-back marathons three weeks ago along with some other high mileage days last week I ran uh five 18 miles back to back. Uh, today I've run the second of 28 miles. Uh, 28 miles is the average day's running I'm going to be doing when I when I do this uh, London to Barcelona. I'm planning to run about 27 to 28 miles a day. And um, I ho- I'm hoping my running coach is going to start to uh, taper me off a bit because I'm I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not tired because uh, I, 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 
I am tired and uh, I would be fibbing if I said I wasn't. So, um, but I mean, I think I'm in probably the best condition I've ever been in. And I'm in better condition than I did what I was when I, when I started John O'Groats at Land's End. So um, I'm, I'm quietly confident, but I mean, I am apprehensive. The, the expectations on me is, is quite significant. And I, I'm not sure I want to go into that just now, but, but I mean, there's a lot of people that have supported me and I, and I have a fear of letting them down. It wouldn't be through my choice of uh, letting them down, but I had a, a message from a guy in Oregon, in America. And he said that he was 71 and he'd recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's and that uh, he read about me and it was such an inspiration for him that he's decided to take up running himself. And uh, he just wanted to sort of thank me for that. And it's people like that, that I, that I, that I'm doing, doing this for really to let them know that it's not the end of the world. When you get a diagnosis of Parkinson's, if you've got the right mindset, you can still do amazing things. It, it doesn't have to be running. It can be whatever, whatever it is that you're into. So, um, my my message is to anybody that's been recently diagnosed is lead a normal life. Don't give up. Just just be determined and uh, you will get knockbacks. People and there will be very well-meaning people that will that will say, no, you shouldn't really be doing that. Are you, are you sure it's wise? And and just ignore them and just do it. Brilliant. And and without wishing to put more pressure on you, one one of the other reasons you're doing it is to raise uh, uh, money, I think quite a significant amount of money for two really wonderful charities as well, isn't it? Yeah. Don't ask me where the figure came from. It was just a figure that uh, came to me. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping to raise £50,000. Whether I do or not, um, I, I mean, I don't know. But uh, these are tough times for people to um, find extra cash to make donations to charities. And uh, um, But I, I'd like to try and raise £50,000 and my wish is that the money goes into research because my, my my selfish side of me would like to benefit from it and then make no bones about that. And um, if the money can go to research and it can help in finding a cure, then that will be job well done from, from my part. Yeah, and so I think it's it's for Parkinson's UK and Cure Parkinson's that you're you're looking to raise the money for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Superb. Well, we'll definitely make sure we put um, your fundraising links in the show notes for this. So if anybody wants to go on, uh, click on those links and um, uh, sponsor Neil. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, Neil, just going back to the actual uh, the actual run. Um, when when you're out there doing those sort of distances every day, I'm presuming this is going to be a sort of almost an ultra mindset, a, a, a run walk kind of way of doing it rather than rather than going out and sprinting every day. Well, I certainly don't sprint, believe me. People ask me how I do it and on a day-to-day basis and and I don't really know if I'm being honest. I, I just do it. Um I have good days, I have bad days. Um it's it's linked to all sorts of things. Um but 
it's as much a mental challenge as it is a physical one. That that is absolutely, you know, um, the, the 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 case. Um, if you've got the wrong, you can be physically super fit and strong and uh, have endurance, but if you're mentally not resilient enough, then you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And there's always an injury or a niggle of some description that's na- nagging away. I mean, I've got a hamstring twitch um, and uh, I've got glute problems. I've got lower back problem. One of the things that I have to happens with me with my running is that when I tire, I tend to lean, lean to the right-hand side. It's, it's again, it's all posture and led, and it's all based around my park. It's coming out of Parkinson's and that, that causes pressure on my glutes and my lower back. And then it goes from there down my leg. And sometimes it's very, very hard on my body because I mean, I mean, I'm not a young man anymore. I mean, there's no point pretending that. And um, if, so you have to be, I, I found that you have to be prepared to run through the pain and um, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but you can't run those sort of distances without injuries and niggles and aches and pains. It's just not, well, as far as I know, it's not, 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 uh, not possible. Absolutely. I think everybody who, who does those sort of things who I've spoken to anyway, I can't admit to having done anything like that myself, but people I spoke to on this podcast have all said similar things that that you you, you will have to put up with the pain at some point and and it is that uh mental strength that that keeps you going. But of course, you've uh, you've done something similar before. You you mentioned it earlier, running from um uh Donna Groats to to Land's End. I mean, how actually was that experience? Because that's covering some pretty large distances each day as well, isn't it? Well, the interesting thing is is what is is when I first embarked on it, I was always told that um Cornwall and Devon were the two hardest counties to run through because they're so hilly. And they were very hilly and they were difficult. But it wasn't, in my opinion, and from what I experienced, the most challenging county to run through from t- in terms of the, the 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 demands on your body this might come as a bit of a surprise but shropshire i found really really difficult because they weren't long big steep hills but they were constantly undulating up and down up and down and it was unrelenting and i and i found at the end of the day that that probably took more out of me than any other of the of the counties that includes the the highlands in scotland and um and um yeah so that was that was quite an interesting uh thing but the biggest issue i had and the thing i learned probably to my cost was the safety aspect running on busy main roads it's not the safest place to be and um it caused a lot of problems with us having to change the routes because when you're you're on the ground near to a particular place you find out which roads are particularly busy with heavy traffic because some of these roads they have no pavements or verges to Mm. jump onto if there's vehicles coming and uh, if they don't see you 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 know you've got a bit of a problem so um 
So, so we learned an awful lot about route planning, about how important it is to get the route right, particularly when you've got safety uh, as your overriding paramount priority. And um, I had a couple of very close shaves. I was running around Loch Lomond up in this up in Scotland, and uh, it was a beautiful day, and uh, the road was very straight and plenty of verge and uh, verges and uh, pavements to to sort of run onto if there was a problem. But as we got onto the road around Loch Lomond, bends started to appear. And of course, the trouble with bends is that you can't see what's coming in the other way. Uh, so if, if you've got somewhere to jump onto, like a pavement or a verge, then it's, it's, it's not much too much of a problem. You can, you can get out of the way. But when we got to Loch Lomond, there were a series of eight miles of continuous S-bends. And on one side of the road, they had a granite rock face with nowhere to get off the road. Then on the other side, you had crash barriers. And they had these huge arctics carrying timber from the woods where they'd been felling trees. And these lorries were coming around these bends and there was just nowhere to get out of the way of them. And they were so close to me that I actually genuinely thought I was going to become roadkill. And you can see the rivets in the trailer as the lorries passed. They were, they were oh. inches away. And I was genuinely, I was, I was quite scared. I don't mind admitting it. And I was, thinking, what the hell am I doing here? This is ridiculous. I mean, it's not worth it, risking your life. But uh -huh. I, was already, I was already there. There was no way of getting off it. And so I that was probably some of the fastest running I've ever done, about eight miles, because my objective was just to get off that sequence, that, 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 that section of road as quickly as possible and as safely as possible. And um, eventually I got through it okay, but... If I'd known about those bends, uh, it would have been factored in to go another route, even if it had meant an extra five or six miles out of my way. There were there were moments when I wasn't sure what was going on. For instance, I picked up a stress fracture in my right foot. I was talking earlier about pain, and uh, my legs swelled up, and it was so bad that uh, we nearly had to call it off, but I carried on. And it was so painful. Every time my foot hit the road, it felt like like somebody was sticking a knife in my leg. My eyes would would, would water up, and and the, the the pain was just unbearable. But I, but I kept going, and I wasn't sure how long I could keep going. But I, but I was determined to to finish it. This was down uh, in the West Country, and one night, then just when I was getting really quite depressed about it all i suddenly had this this miraculous thing happened i woke up the next morning one morning and um pain had gone i had no idea why the stress fracture had gone away the swelling was still there but the pain just went and so that was great because then i could just carry on running at my normal pace but um yeah i have no idea why that why that happened but the whole joggle experience taught me and my partner an awful lot about us and the things you need to get right, um, your nutrition, your um, 
is 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 critical because when I was uh, into my sort of early phases of the of, of the of the challenge, I uh, I was tiring very very early on, and I, I, I was not happy with how it was all going. And then after a lot of discussion with my coach and a few other people, it was decided that I wasn't eating enough, and I had to start quadrupling my my food intake, literally become an eating machine. And I don't know about other endurance runners. I don't have much of an appetite when I'm when I'm running. I, uh, I I don't know why, but it's just the way I am. So I was having to be force fed food, which normally I would love and I would happily consume, but I knew I had to eat more to keep my my energy levels up. The 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 demands on the body were so extreme that. I think I was I think I was burning seven or eight thousand calories a day, and um, you got to replace that somehow with with, with 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 something. So it would be for me, egg sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, um, just constantly eating and eating. I don't mind admitting it, eating rubbish sometimes. You know, cakes, biscuits, crisps, just anything that had, had some goodness in it to sort of keep me going and um on august the 21st i think it was i eventually arrived in land's end uh, i had 36 miles to do on the last day because we messed up a few places earlier on and we had to make up the time because we, uh, we 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 discovered that land's end closes at half past 5 on a sunday and uh it was a sunday that we were running there and so Again, I don't know how I did it. I just ran quicker and got the 38, 36 miles cracked and uh, and uh, arrived in Land's End. And, and given that, that sort of journey, dodging lorries and battling with nutrition and injuries and so on, how, how did you feel? And, and not to mention your, your 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 parkinson's in the first place how did you feel when you got to land's end you must have felt fantastic it must have been an amazing sense of achievement well this is the big uh big big surprise i had a lot of followers down there and uh people supporting me friends family there were tears from all of my friends and family and um and hugs and kisses and all sorts of things like that. And I was the only one that didn't shed a tear. And I was a bit sort of, what's going on here? I've just run from A to B, that's all really. I haven't really, you know, I haven't saved anyone's life or anything or done anything that that amazing. And I couldn't quite, I didn't quite get it, what, what, what I had done. And uh, this is despite everybody else being so emotional. But then three or four months later, I was at home watching the TV and the weather forecast came up and they had a big map of the United Kingdom. And I just, just all of a sudden the reality of it hit me. I just saw the distance from John O'Groats to Land's End and I thought, wow, I've run that. And I got quite emotional. And that was, that was my moment to shed a tear. 
it's not an uncommon yeah. thing actually i've spoken to other people who've got to the end of sort of epic journeys and they've uh, uh, uh one lady ran across i think new zealand another chap i spoke to uh, ran across africa and they both got to the end and sort of uh, i suppose did that forest gump thing where they sort of look a bit blank and then go what do i do now <laughs> and some of them turn around and ran back but a lot of them was yeah. like okay i better go home and it's a weird thing isn't it people thought i was being a bit mean and moody or a bit weird or a bit odd because i i, I didn't get the big emotional rush that all my friends and family were experiencing and um but it just took me a bit longer to to sort of process it really and it was that 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 that, that realization when i was sitting watching the new the the weather forecast and seeing the united kingdom and just looking at the distance between john O'Groats and land's end that um the, the reality of it then hit me and I do remember the one thing that that, that struck me. My, my my father passed away a year and a half or so beforehand, and he would have been so proud of me to have been there and see me do it. And I, when I touched the line, when I finally finished, I said, "That's for you, Dad." That was the only thing I remember that actually um, caused any emotion in me. I mean, I, yeah, I was smiling and I was happy. Uh, I mean, I wasn't sort of miserable or glum or anything. It was just that um, I think emotions affect people in different ways, don't they? And uh, I, I, I tend to keep my emotions bottled up and uh, and um, that's just the way I am. Well, Neil, I, I mean, I think everybody would uh, would say it's a fantastic achievement. I'm, I'm I'm sure your dad, if he's looking down, will will think it's amazing, and he'd be really proud of you for for what you've done there, and also what you're going to do with um, with this run to to Barcelona as well. So we we wish you all the very best with it, and and thank you so much for um, for joining us today on the Running Tales podcast. You're welcome. Thanks again to Neil Russell for joining me today on the Running Tales podcast. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. And if you did, leave us those vital reviews and ratings wherever you listen to the podcast. Now, if you did enjoy Neil's story, you might also be interested in our recent chat with Gary Shaughnessy. Gary was diagnosed with Parkinson's back in 2015 and has since done a number of incredible challenges, including completing the Arc to Arc Triathlon the hardest in the world. Gary is also now the chair of the Board of Trustees of Parkinson's UK, as well as doing a similar role at England Athletics. On a similar subject, might well be worth you having a listen back to Tony Collier's story. In November last year, we spoke to Tony about how his incurable prostate cancer diagnosis has inspired him to keep on raising awareness and keep on running. Prior to his diagnosis, Tony had completed all of the marathon majors. He'd finished the Comrades Ultramarathon in South Africa and was actually trained to do that event again. And although he wasn't able to do that, he hasn't allowed his cancer to stop him from running at all. He completed a five kilometer run or a hike every day last year, an incredible running streak and raised a lot of money at the same time. And he has also completed ultra races since then. So go back, have a little listen to Tony's story as well. One last thing before I go, if you enjoy the Running Tales podcast, you'll probably also enjoy our newsletter and website on Substack. You can subscribe to get full access to that newsletter sent direct 
to your inbox for just £5. We also have a three membership option. Simply visit runningtails.substack.com to get even more from your Running Tales experience. In the meantime, we'll have another podcast again for you next week. So I look forward to seeing you then.